broadcasting since 1994, you are listening to KPSU Portland College Radio, streaming worldwide 24-7 at kpsu.org. From the studio of KPSU Portland, in association with the Department of History at Portland State University, this is Beyond Footnotes. Join us as we explore public, local, and world history through discussions with professors, authors, fellow students, and alumni, as well as local historians. Thank you for joining us. I'm Madeline. And I'm Lily. There are many, many fields a history student can find themselves in someday. In addition to academia, there's museum work, consulting, nonprofits, preservation groups. It's a long and diverse list. With Beyond Footnotes, we aim to give students a broad overview of the experiences they can have as a professional in history. So today, uh, we're interviewing two people here at Portland State who work in a specific field that help make all the rest of the fields in history possible. Without collections and archival management, there wouldn't really be any primary source-based history. So today, we are talking with Bryce Henry and Christine Pathchild, both archivists and special collections managers here at Portland State, about their fields and what it entails. So welcome, Bryce and Chris. Thank you. Hello. Okay, so just to start off, do you want to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do here? Sure. So my name is Chris Paschild, and I'm the head of special collections and the university archivist here at Portland State, and I'm based in the library. And I'm Bryce Henry. I work for Capital Projects and Construction on campus. I manage their archives, so I'm, my responsibility is all documentation pertaining to the built environment, so all the buildings, all the physical infrastructure, and basically what's happened in the past, present, and future of campus construction. So um, can you tell us a bit about like why you chose to study history and make it a career? Or if you chose to study history. I did take the, so there's a couple traditional routes to go into archives. And one of those routes is the historian route. And, uh, you know, some, there, somebody's going somewhere or coming from somewhere and gets lost and ends up positioned in the archives. And the other traditional one is a librarian who kind of gets funneled that direction. And uh, that's not nearly as true anymore. We know, I think between the two of us, plenty of archivists that do no longer fit that model. But I'm definitely in the former. I was a bachelor's in history and uh, just sort of thought this job sounded kind of interesting, didn't know much about it, and showed up for an internship. And uh, it all kind of steamrolled here somehow. <laughs> What about you, Chris? Um, yeah, I started. I got. I started at U of O and got my undergrad degree actually in history and English. I did a dual major, but um, yeah, I guess I've never really thought of myself as a historian, even though I did that undergrad degree. I went on from there and I went into a grad program at um, University of Michigan in English and got my master's degree in English, and then started the PhD program and found that I was never writing my dissertation and I was in the archives all the time and really kind of preferred what was happening in there and it was much more interesting to me. And so I actually switched over at Michigan and went to the library school there and got my degree in library and information science um, with a specialization in archives. And that's what I've been, been doing since. I never regretted it. What would you say then are the biggest distinctions between being a historian and being an archivist? 
Well, they're two completely different professions. You know, they're obviously fellow travelers, and they, they um, have a lot to give each other. But, um, you know, I would never claim to be a historian, no. um, right? We have, we, we know a lot of history. Um, we need to know a lot of kind of historical facts to position ourselves in our, our um, collections and understand what we're doing. But, um, yeah, we, I think we have a different relationship to the material. We're really thinking about um, how things are produced and their relationship to each other and what we can do to create records that are reliable and will have information that you all, or historians, can then use for their deeper analysis, right? Yeah, right? so the archivist keeps the record, obviously, and users of all kinds, historians included, come to the archives to use that record. So in that sense, they are the custodian, but their relationship to the records is different than historians in that we're very focused on the organization that created those records and how they created their information, how that was organized, and really how best to represent that to somebody else who wants to use those for maybe reasons that have nothing to do with uh, whatever the original creator created them for. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you know, there's a, no one could be objective. There's a myth of objectivity. Um, but we try as best we can. We're not trying to bring a narrative to the records. We're not trying to interpret the records for people, right? And I think that's in some ways more the historian's mm -hmm. deal. And so, I mean, the classic historian, I mean, you know, you, when we have historians who come in to process or work with a collection, I'm always yelling at them to quit reading because they read everything. And they'll tell me, like, they'll go through the letters and they'll be talking about what you, the letters will say in this file. And I'll tell them, you know what that file is to me? It's correspondence <laughs> 1962 to 1964. That's what that is. Stop reading. So it's a different, it's a different relationship. So specifically within your jobs, like talking about being kind of tangential or adjacent to the historian, in what ways would historians come to your respective archives or collections? Like, what would they find there? I know Bryce talked a little bit about what you can find down. So my job largely supports current operations, and which I think is a little bit different than Chris's archives in that she primarily collects permanent records. I have some permanent records, but a lot of my stuff is uh, there because it is like administratively or legally or financially useful to my department or to the university. And so the, a lot of the people we get coming in tend to be staff working on design, planning, facilities work. And we do get students, we get uh, historians come in, but primarily our function is to serve kind of uh, the immediate needs. Mm -hmm. And in that, all of our records are we have a pretty narrow scope of collection in that it needs to be something that PSU sits on mm -hmm. or sat on a while ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And as Bryce is saying, we're much we're much broader than that. Um, and we don't have that active component. So like we're not working with people who are building stuff on campus or, or de actively developing a program who need who need things that are um, relevant. I mean, that have come out in the last, you know, that are still active records. So um, our collection 
the university archives aspect of our collection are all the records of the university that are not the ones that go to Bryce, so not, not construction and building and development related. Um, so things like the president's records, a lot of records related to the students. Um, going all the way back to when the university was at Vanport, um, which is, that's pretty exciting. I mean, actually I have a lot of the, the documents of ground the foundation, um, foundation of the school. And then coming all up to the present. Um, in addition to the university archives records, our collection um, includes rare books and manuscripts. Mm -hmm. So we do actually have um, our oldest piece goes back, I believe, to 9th century. It's an early uh, manuscript leaf in Kufic script, which is an early Arabic script. Um, we have, you know, coming up to the European medieval period, we have books of hours and things like that. Mm -hmm. Probably a lot of people have seen we have the Dark Horse collection. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition to those sorts of books and monographs and things, then we also have archives that are collections of outside organizations. And for us, um, the feeling was what Portland State really, there was an opportunity um, and an interest to, doc to get collections that were not at other repositories. And so we've really focused on kind of grassroots community organizations, so more contemporary collections. So our archives are mostly 20th century and later, but they really try to get um, groups and individuals and people who, um, whose work hasn't really been captured by other repositories in the area. Mm -hmm. So we have like a lot of women in politics mm -hmm. is a big area of our collection. We have great um, collections related to the black community of Portland, the Japanese American community, um, just a lot of grassroots activism and work like that. So we kind of talked a little bit about this, but what are some of the ways you find yourself like working in the broad field of history or like people or projects you've worked on that are history related? Yeah, prop I mean, we have lots of historians coming and we get a lot of people working on local history, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we, we're open, um, yes, Bryce's, I think we're open to um, the community, so we get people not just within, um, you know, Portland State students and faculty, but from all over, both locally and then um, sometimes from, from other places, you know, a lot of people come here to um, study kind of the way Portland is developed and, and transportation mm -hmm. and things like that that are unique to Portland. So, um, yeah, we, we get a lot of historians, we get a lot of other people, too, from other disciplines, um, sociologists, um, people doing sort of activist work, legal work, um, art. We actually get quite a few artists um, who come in and use the collection, but um, yeah. <laughs> uh, historian related work, I'm not sure. We get a couple a year and they tend to want to see like uh, documentation as artifact. Mm -hmm. So we have some of the linen and ink drawings from Lincoln Hall and Shattuck Hall, and so we've had classes that maybe they're doing architectural history and uh, or art history and want to see some of that stuff firsthand. Uh, we've had a few other projects, but again, a lot of our work is a lot of architectural students, a lot of engineering students mm -hmm. working on every, like the question we got last week was how much can our eco roofs like how much weight can they support? Mm. Those are the kind of questions that I answer all the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, as far as historical work, we've done a, I did a class with uh, a couple other archivists in town last year to work with, get students to work with archival materials and build some sort of public facing archive. And it was interesting to see what they came up with, with records that I don't, 
personally consider it to be, you know, super historical because mm-hmm. they're all post 1960s, right. largely post 1990s. But uh, they came up with some really interesting ideas, and you know, and beyond that, you know, we do sort of our outreach component. We do exhibits and that kind of stuff, working with some of our old, our own older materials. I guess going off of that, we kind of we have a question later on about like your favorite items or documents. Do you have any like specific collection or something that you really think is kind of like a treasure within? Your respective questions that you just are like, oh, I can't wait to have somebody who does have the time and the resources to really analyze this. They're all, it's like your kids, they're all special and great. <laughs> no. Or yes. you pick favorite ones depending on how you feel. And you yeah. never tell. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, it, it depends. You know, when you're an archivist, right, you're kind of, you're working on preservation and thinking about. You know, there's an assumption that you may never know how some records get used. Right. You know, people will come in someday, you know, 40 years from now, I'll be gone and, and they'll be using it. So you don't you don't always expect the payoff of seeing people engage um, with records that you have. But when you do, it, it is really exciting. And right now, probably for us, um, we have a collection called the Rutherford Family Collection, which is um, over 100 years of black history in Portland mm-hmm. um, that goes back. So it goes back, gosh, to the 1890s and then comes up through the present, and it was collected by um, a woman named Verdell Burdine Rutherford who kind of took it on herself. She was very um, community-oriented and very active, and at the same time, while she was doing all of that, um, she also recognized that no one um, was really interested in putting the resources into preserving Portland's black history, and so she did that too. And so as she was doing all these activities and her husband, um, they were involved with the Portland NAACP and local women's clubs and, all sorts of just everything that was going on in that community in Portland. Um, she was playing a leadership role in that, but she was also saving all the history and documenting and stuff. And then that history went, that collection went to her daughter. And then her daughter, who is a graduate of the Black Studies program here, um, donated it to Portland State. And so that's really one of the huge gems of our collection. And it's exciting because we see a lot of engagement mm-hmm. with that collection from all sorts of angles. So um, we have a great um, public artist who's been working with that to do an installation, kind of a history-inspired installation on William Street, um, which used to be the street with the most black-owned businesses, and now there's only one black-owned business, and um, which is his, actually. And, um, you know, so he came in and engaged with that collection. We have an amazing researcher who's based out of OHSU, who's interested in brain health and memory and activity, who came in to use that collection to create a walking app for older folks in that community to um, gather data on the relationship between walking and going to spots and then looking at these historic photos and then trying to recall things that they recall and remembered from that time and, and storing that data. So she's used that collection for that. We've had middle school students use it we've had high school students come in there um, and engage with it there's a lot in there there's a lot of you know police violence within the black community in the 1970s um, and we've had students come in and engage in that in a really exciting way because it, it's a real intuitive way for them to make connections between then and now and mm-hmm. give presentations on that so that's probably been the, my favorite and most exciting collection just because um, it's giving so much to so many people and mm-hmm. we're getting to see so many people engage with it as far as uh, like underutilized things that we run across, that's kind of one of the joys of this job and sort of also one of the frustrations is 
I think all archivists see stuff all the time. They're like, this would make an awesome project if somebody yeah. were looking for a project. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you're able to take advantage of that, sometimes you're not. For example, I have a, a collection of mid-1960s photos of campus mm -hmm. where somebody literally went block to block taking pictures of every structure in what was then campus. So from... 5th to 13th, 12th, 13th? I think it was 13th, yeah. probably the furthest. And between Market and Jackson, mm -hmm. picture of every building. So you can walk, it's like time travel, you can walk from where Broadway Residence Hall is now to Helen Gordon and see everything that somebody in 1964 could see. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've put those online because I think they're real interesting, but nobody's done anything but really interesting with them. There's a walking app there. And I was going to say that'd be great, like yeah. with an iPhone or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's waiting. Yeah. And we have a whole, we have all of uh, our PSU's old parent organization, the mm -hmm. Oregon University System. We have all the building records, mm -hmm. and a lot of those relate to uh, PSU's or Portland State College at the time, their acquisition of those basically to tear them down and maybe build a future building right. or install student residence instead of tenants, mm -hmm. which is kind of our legacy. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, that is probably one of the more fun things that we get to do is there is, when you get a match make, you know, you hear somebody's interested in something and they come kind of asking if you have anything and you were like, I have the perfect collection <laughs> for you. And I mean, that's the pitch I'll make is that, um, a lot of our collections, because we're, we're a young archive, and that, I think that goes for Bryce too, is um, a lot of our, we have a lot of amazing stuff and it's really untapped. There's a lot of untapped gems there. So speaking to all the people out there looking for interesting um, in-depth history projects, you have the opportunity to come in to work with a lot of the stuff and be the first person who's really taking a deep dive on a lot of it. So mm -hmm. if you have interest in the Portland region, you should come by our archives and ask us, because we will hook you up with a collection. That was a nice plug, and it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, I think, a good segue for our next question, and that's do you have any advice for history students in working with archival material or who have interest in going into collections management or library science? I guess those are two Got questions. Endless, endless advice for people wanting <laughs> to go into archives. <laughs> um, the, well, what did, should we do the first one, have people who want to work? I mean, you sure. mean work for their own research or you mean go into the profession? Either, however you feel you could answer best. That was a lot of questions in one, so I'll let you, I'll let you decide. For history students or in students interested in history who have not engaged in their own archival research with primary resources, um, not online, but in person. Um, my biggest advice to everybody is just build in time, mm -hmm. right? Um, you, you know, we point you towards what you need, um, but we don't give you the exact item you need. So you have to build in time to do that treasure hunt and do that work and sit down and read. So, um, you know, periodically we get a pretty panicked um, student calling at the very end of the term, you know, who's got one night to get this every research term. done <laughs> every term. Yeah, and um, we do the best we can, but we, we can't help you too much at that point. Archival research, primary resource research is time consuming. And I think that's one of the, it's, it's important to emphasize that uh, in kind of our on-demand online culture, I can search for any item, any page in any document. 
paper frequently doesn't work like that, and often electronic documents almost don't either. And so budgeting time is important. Archives work on a very aggregate level. I can't tell you all of the fascinating items you'll find in that correspondence from 1962 to 1964, which is how you know the historian student gets bogged down in them because no one's read them since then and they're very interesting. Mm -hmm. But our job is really to represent kind of a, the collection as a whole and without getting too bogged down and never getting anything else done. Right. So it's, we put a lot of uh, the burden on the researcher to find information. But I think going back to getting involved in archives, uh, I think being a student is a really good opportunity too because uh, you have a lot of opportunities to just sort of show up and there's resources throughout campus. Professors know archivists work with them and can put you in touch and uh, just pursuing activities outside of the classroom I think are really important mm -hmm. and the way to get involved in archives is to do the work you mean if that if that piques your interest and you later go on to want to pursue a master's degree which is essential to really becoming a professional uh, you know having that background and having done some of the work with the records beyond just being a researcher is really essential and will really inform all of what happens. All of the theory is really grounded in the practice of doing the work. Mm -hmm. My advice for people who, who are interested in pursuing a career in, in archives is, it sounds great, it is great. I love it. I have a great show. We have the greatest job in the world. This is the best profession ever. But you do need to know what you're getting into. It's a really competitive field. It's a really low-paying field in, for the most part. Um, I used to say, though it didn't turn out to be true for Bryce, but I used to say when people came and said they wanted to go to library school to get in archives, my first thing was always, are you willing to move for your job? Because, um, you know, I get a lot of people here who want to stay in Portland and want to be archivists, and there's 10 jobs. I mean, what? I mean, there's more than that, but there's not. There's not many opportunities, and so um, it is a competitive field, and people need to know that before they invest in. And the other thing is, I was thinking, um, Bryce and I had a, a good colleague, a friend, um, Pete Ash, who used to get infuriated because he would ask when students said, "I want to go to archi into archives because I like old stuff." And that, that's a bad reason to be involved. <laughs> that, you know, he would get so mad um, because. You do get to right work with amazing stuff, but um, so much, it used, there's sort of the stereotype that it's the career for introverts, and it's not. I mean, so much of what we have to do is outreach and advocacy and collaboration, and you, you sell the archives, archives a lot. You have to kind of be relevant and explain to people why you're relevant, and you have to get people to use it and help them use it, and you have to build the collection, so you have to work with people in the community to build the collection and people across campus. You have to go to meetings. You have to do a lot of administration. You have to do a lot of the boring stuff, budgeting and coordinating projects and things. So um, I also, people need to know that part, that um, the the hanging out and getting to deal with the old stuff part is awesome but um it's it's a small component ultimately mm -hmm. actually of the job so. I, th I think if you're interested in history and very good at sales you would be a great archivist yeah. because <laughs> a lot of yeah. it is trying to sell the archives to all sorts of people who could really care less right mm -hmm. 
and spin it in such a way that they either need it because we'll all get fired without it or <laughs> which is my job <laughs> or that it's essential to you know foundation of all that we hold dear yeah. in our free society <laughs> it's a cultural essential yes. I like the, we'll all get fired without it. That's a good. It works pretty well. Yeah. And is true. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add or? Any other anecdotes or? I'm sure I've got plenty. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I would just say that, you know, it's, uh, it's, been a, a, it's been a treat to have Bryce on campus. We have two archives on campus. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's nice. That's a lot of probably. times archivists end up alone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot of there's plenty of lone what we call lone arrangers or lone archivists out there, and um, so it's it's nice to have uh, archival colleague on campus and two agreed two collections that can work together so well. I think so. A uh, great thing about Portland is we actually, I mean, just besides just the two of us, Portland has a really collaborative and really welcoming mm -hmm. and friendly archives mm -hmm. community. And mm -hmm. the City of Portland archives are here on campus, mm -hmm. and Oregon Historical Society's down the street, and Lewis and Clark up on the hill, and everybody. Um, OHSU up on the hill. OHSU on the hill, yeah, that's that's a great shop too. And everybody here is really collaborative. We don't compete. Mm -hmm. You know, we work together. Everyone has their strengths and stuff. And that's that's been one of my favorite things about being an archivist in Portland. I think the community is definitely great. Yeah. It's got it's strong and has been strong for many years. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of nice in that uh, it's one way to get involved is meeting anybody. Yeah. And even if they're not able to help you right then or too busy or uninterested, they can almost always refer you to, I bet they'll refer you to Diana Banning, but <laughs> they'll, they'll give you a, a, some advice about who to go to talk to and you know where to show up. And I think that's really important and it's really useful and not everybody, but there's a great deal of archivists in town that came up in town mm -hmm. recently. Recently, yeah, there's some, yeah. Which is kind of interesting because like Chris was saying earlier, most jobs you have to move for, and Portland is an incredibly competitive market. There's a lot of people who want to move here and do cultural heritage related work. Mm -hmm. So. But we home grow the best. <laughs> That's why we end up. <laughs> yeah, and so that, I mean, not only are we have a good network for referring researchers on collections, but also if people are interested in the profession and want to try out an internship, like for example, we don't do very many internships within um, our, our shop, but, um, but we know people who do. So if you have an interest, um, you know, it's a nice way we can refer you to the city or, you know, oh, you should go talk to so-and-so if you want to try that out. So we don't we're do, happy to help. We don't do internships, yeah. but we do hire students constantly. Yeah. There. Mm -hmm. yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is a great okay, conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks thank you both. For talking about archives. Beyond Footnotes is produced by students of the PSU Department of History and is recorded in the studio of KPSU. You can find information about this episode on our show page at kpsu.org slash beyondfootnotes and on SoundCloud. We are always interested to know what you guys think about the show, so please feel free to contact the Beyond Footnotes team on Facebook, Twitter, or email at beyondfootnotes at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions concerning the show. For previous episodes and extended content, check out kpsu.org slash beyondfootnotes or soundcloud.com. And don't forget to share. Tell a friend by subscribing, rating, and following the show on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes.